Sideboob Cinema is a retrospective movie show for adults only. Educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment and we're not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Dreamers, truth seekers, and those transfixed by the mystery of all things, as well as all you transgressive rascals dabbling in necrophilia, incest, mass murder, sadomasochism, and pedophilia, this is Sideboob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. My name is Ricky Olpike, and joining me are my fellow bourgeoisiers, John and AJ. Bonjour, you convict bums. <laughs> <laughs> You're just hitting it every time. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Excellent work. Uh, AJ, how are you? I'm feeling refreshed. Are you? Oh, yes. Yes, because we're doing Mano Mano every uh, fourth week because that's how it's got to be. You got to put your feet up. I did. Well, not really because we moved. Oh. Okay. And then, but at least you didn't have to move and go, oh, shit, we put the moving box down. We've got to watch this weird <laughs> that's movie. That's right. <laughs> For tonight, and right, I got to write some stuff. That's right. Speaking of weird movies, what movie did we watch this week? The Phantom of Liberty, 1974. Louis Bunuel directs, written by Louis Bunuel and the man that got us here, Jean Claude Carrier, also produced by Serge Silberman, who was the producer of Max Monamore. You win, yes, <laughs> yes, <That's> <laughs> and Discreet Charm, which we watched last week. So uh, that's all of the connections right there. Now, so what did we do? Did we watch this alone with people on an iPhone? I, no, I watched yes. this. Uh, I watched this on my TV, uh, the way it should be watched. Well, it should be seen in the cinema, really. But who's doing that? Okay. Uh, and my wife, she she was in and out. She was booking flights for something, so she wasn't really that connected. But every now and then, I'd be like, "Hey, check out those boobs," or you know. Yeah, I think Frank was walking in on the booby parts, <laughs> so he enjoyed it. That's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> I think you would have liked this film. There's there's some pretty spectacular boobage. Yeah. We'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to all that. So, yes, I have seen this one before. I I think this and Discreet Charm I've, wa- I've watched the most of his work. I've seen Belle Jour a few times, a couple others, a few more. But th- th- this one and Discreet Charm, I think I, I come back to it a lot. Uh, and something about this movie, it's very fun. Hmm. You know? Is this regarded as his penultimate work? Well, it is his penultimate work <laughs> because it's his <laughs> second last film. <laughs> but his his most critically sort of acclaimed. No, I think I think that Discreet Charm uh, it, it just has more cut through mm. and is more well known. And this has got a troubled sort of reputation. Sort of, you know, it's not as. It just doesn't have that that sh- that shine that Discreet Charm has. I, I I think it's probably, you know, we can get into it a bit later. But it it, it comes across as, uh, if you were being critical, you could say that it it seems adolescent at times <laughs> in in terms of, you know, it's it's not as classy, you know. Right. Yeah. There's more boobs in this one. Yeah. There is. Yeah. For, for starters. Yeah. yeah. Incest mm. boobs. Yeah. 
Well, let's get into that. I'll explain uh, the synopsis. It's quite a loving synopsis here. I, I went into a bit more detail here again because it's super weird. I, I can't take my foot off the gas when it's super weird. Mm. I can't just, you know, it's different. If I'm doing Magnum Force or something, I, I don't need to <laughs> go into this kind of detail. But I think I need everyone to pay attention. So... 12 episodes, 12 protagonists. Now, you wouldn't know that if you were just sitting down pure, but then again, when would you be doing that? So, we open in Toledo, 1808, during the Napoleonic Wars. A French firing squad executes some Spanish rebels. Afterwards, the troops celebrate in a Catholic church. They've sort of taken over. They're singing, boozing, and munching on the communion wafers. The, ca- the captain of the squad is drawn to a pair of, st- of stone statues uh, of two noble people, presumably. And excuse me if, if I... I don't have all the history. I'm very ignorant. Okay, so he's particularly drawn to the woman, the female statue, uh, which which I'm I'm to believe is someone, Donna Elvira del Castanada. Uh, he touches her tenderly and 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 moves to kiss her uh, on the mouth. The statue and the statue of the husband animates and judo chops him in revenge, knocking him out cold. Okay, so the captain exhumes the body of of the wife so not the statue he wants the actual body zooms the the coffin opens it up and lucky for him and us she's not rotting um, and she's actually still quite hot so (laughs) but anyway before he smashes her uh, we cut to our next episode okay now we're in the present day and we discover that the story we've seen has been read by a nanny on a park bench uh, while she's busy, there's a creeper in the park uh, with a trench coat and glasses, and he approaches uh, one of the kids she's meant to be watching, and this man shows her and her friends some special photographs, okay, mm. uh, and advises them to show them around to their friends, but never to grown-ups. Anyway, the girl does just that, uh, handing the photos to her parents straight away as soon as she gets home, and her parents are kind of a bored bourgeois couple, which we've seen before in the last couple of films. Uh, and the parents are, are horrified by these photos, but also very excited, reminiscing about a time in, they had in Paris, I think. Uh, we finally see the photos, and they're rather banal pictures of, of, <laughs> of, of statues and architecture and just, you know, sunset, things like that. They fire the nanny and return the photos to the kids. Uh, then we follow the parents to bed, and the husband's been complaining that he can't sleep, and he's kept awake at night by a cockerel... Uh, an emu and a postman who all appear in his bedroom. Now, the next day, the man's doctor refuses to listen to his story despite him having physical evidence, the letter from the mailman. Uh, And so the doctor's nurse interrupts and she says that she needs to visit her sick sick father and we're off again uh, with another protagonist. We follow the nurse to an inn uh, where she's staying overnight on the way to see her sick father. Uh, and she plays some poker with some uh, Carmelite monks uh, that are staying there using uh, holy items as chips. Another pair of guests arrive, a young man who's having a incestuous affair, affair with his aunt. Uh, he's ready to get hot and heavy, but she's holding out on him. <laughs> Wim- you know, women, you know. Uh, a distinguished-looking hatter and his wife invite everyone to their room for port, the monks, the nurse, and the nephew taking a break after trying to smother his aunt with a pillow. Everyone is having a great time, and they don't notice the hatter and his wife changing into S&M gear, and they're all stunned when the mistress begins whipping the hatter on his arseless pants. <laughs> it's my favourite bit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Next morning, the nurse gets a ride into town, into a town called Argeton with, a, with another visitor. Uh, and we're off again. This time we follow that visitor, who is a professor to the to the police academy where he works, and he's mistreated by the unruly school children like cops. 
and he tells them all the story of a dinner party he went to once. And we see this dinner party. Uh, it's fairly standard bourgeois small talk between guests, except that everyone is seated on their own toilet, <laughs> pants down and all. One of the guests retires to a private room to eat a meal in shame. Perhaps we will uh, we'll cover that. So we follow the t- uh, two of the misbehaving cops as they pull off, pull over a, a speeding motorist, and and then we follow this man to his doctor, where he told he's told he has cancer, and then offered a cigarette by uh, the very same doctor. <laughs> the man returns home to his wife, and rece- they both receive a phone call telling them that their daughter's missing. The parents, teachers, and police are all dumbfounded at her disappearance, despite the fact that she's right there in front of them all. Uh, one of the policemen uh, from before leads us to our protagonist, a guy having his shoes shined. Uh, this guy mounts a tall building with a rifle and randomly shoots citizens through the windows. Uh, he is apprehended and put on trial and given the sentence death, at which point he walks free. A celebrity. We follow the prefect of police as he as he goes to visit a bar. He meets a woman who looks strangely like his sister who died. We see her in a flashback um, in which she plays piano for him naked. All right, Ricky? I take it back. That's my favorite bit. <laughs> All right, good. Correct answer. He receives a phone call at the bar from his dead sister, allegedly uh, from his dead sister, telling him to meet her at the family tomb later. He, uh, he does so and is arrested for desecration uh, of, the, of the, the tomb and the police do not believe that he's the prefect of police. There's somehow another man in his place, another prefect of police. The two men meet and they hit it off and they team up and head off to the zoo to shut down some kind of riot that's going on and the film ends with a emu's head over gunshots. <laughs> I think it's an ostrich. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's, uh, you know, there was an emu earlier. There was. there was. I think it is an ostrich. But why would you have an ostrich and an mm. emu? Just choose one. Yeah. You know, choose one and the emu. Choose our one. Maybe saying something about flightless birds or something. I don't know. Maybe. So first things first. <laughs> um, the Hatter, Michael Lonsdale, mm. Hugo Drax. Yeah, he's in Moonraker. James Bond. Yeah. Moonraker. Oh. Yeah, I spent the whole movie going, where do I Who know is that, that guy, guy from? Yes, yes. Who is that guy? I did the same thing. And then I was like, you know. So is he French? Yeah, I would imagine so. Either that or right. he's, um, I mean, he's native level, like. Yeah, know, speaker. Yeah. Speaker. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just now we can say we've seen his ass, so. <laughs> That's, that's good. I mean, I watched Moonraker and I was like, "Geez, I wish I, I wish I could see his ass." How was it, AJ? R- rate, rate the arseometer. The arseometer. <laughs> it was very long, wasn't it? He's was a tall man. It was long. <laughs> it was long and pale. He's a tall man and yeah. soft. So you know? all of that, you know. So anyway, that was just uh, the first thing. <laughs> so first thoughts. What? What? Uh, what? What? What do you got for me? Uh, I I really liked it. Um. What one thing, and, and I have I struggled a little bit with this one and the other one. Just again, the length of it, and 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 like I said, when when we did the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, like I didn't, I watched that twice, and I didn't really watch it the first time in optimal conditions because I was tired. Like you have to mm. be alert to watch these movies. But I think the other thing for me is that, and and you could maybe pin this down for me better than I can articulate it, John. In, in that. It seems to be like like there's not a lot of soundtrack. There's not a lot of uh, sound that's not like really naturalistic, and the the cinematography is really quite straight, although it's good. Um, and uh, for me, uh, you know, that makes it a bit more of a, 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 
a tiring experience, if you know what I mean. Like, like if you compare it to another sort of surrealist filmmaker in in David Lynch, who will jam pack it with sound design and and, and music and 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 uh, you know a lot more experimental sort of camera Pulse work. Pounding. Yeah, to keep you on your toes. Whereas this this doesn't do that. You know. True, I agree with all that. Yeah, and it and it, it you're right. It all it is a very different experience. And yeah, the lack of music is is a big deal. Particularly. But that's interesting in itself, isn't it? We've talked about this before, you know, because a, a lot of modern movies are, particularly Hollywood movies, are, are totally a hundred percent scored. Mm. Uh, every almost like the, the beginning of cinema, really, almost like the it you is, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've, we've returned mm. to mm. the very early days, like we're we're inches away from having just stings when people do any old thing, you know, like yeah, picking, yeah. having a theme for closing yeah. the door. Well, there's a famous uh, <laughs> old uh, early early sound film called The Informer, I think, and it's scored by Max Steiner. And you watch this movie and you're like, every single physical action on screen has a musical punctuation. Like when the guy opens the door, when he closes it, when he sits down, it's a really weird experience. And I, yeah, I feel like we're getting closer mm. to that. Getting further away from Bernard Herrmann and back to Max Steiner. So, yes. yeah, not not uh, a lot of uh, sound. And as you as you say, yeah, the, the cinematography is is um, uh, long takes, mm. very simple, simple in 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 its in its composition. And that is, I guess, that's so interesting now because it's, you know, you would never in your life be able to shoot uh, a a mainstream movie like that. You'd never, they would never, they'd be like, oh, we we need the close ups, mm. we need. Yeah, you know, yeah. you've got to see the the mid close up of the of the actors. We've got. To Were there wipe. any close ups? I I can't think. Well, of the ostrich at the mm. end. Well, they stick out. They stick out like it does a zoom yeah, on the on the lady's right. face when when our man's getting whipped. Yeah. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah uh, you know? uh, yes. So those little moments mm. really stick out when he does these yep. zooms and stuff. So. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Well, that 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 must be a a very conscious decision to have bizarre things happening. Uh, in the story and on screen, but then playing everything else so straight, you know, like the sound, the music, the cinematography is really, really straight. Well, it's important to the surrealism because mm. it, part of part of surrealism is playing with the everyday, and so you need to put a shocking element in, in, into a into a, a a unexpected or everyday banal mundane mm. setting, and the best way of doing that is, you know, uh, to a bit like with Max Monomore, right? You've got everything that seems like a normal drama, but there's but there's an ape, in it, you know. So we see that consistently mm. here. Mm. You know, it's one yeah. element. You kind of don't realize what you've watched either, because I thought I watched it yesterday, and I thought maybe I didn't pay too much attention, and then I watched it half of it again today, and I was like, oh no, I watched everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> you didn't miss out on anything, and that, I found that interesting. It's not okay, so. Not non-linear, mm. not really. Well, more like loose fragments mm. that, that are that are all uh, joined. So, so we're we're asking questions that people don't want to ask, which is, what is a story? You know, why can't a story be be twelve? Why are we so annoyed when there's more than one protagonist? What is a protagonist? Like, what makes a protagonist? Why should I follow this person? Why can't I follow that person? Why why can't you have the Napoleonic Wars and a nanny on a ba- on a bench in the same movie. Why can't you have like so? So these are all. They might seem like obvious questions because you could put them to some basic person. They'd be like, "I don't fucking care. Just get. I want to watch Step Brothers." <laughs> and, you, and you go, "That's cool, man. I'm, I'm not. I'm not in your way." But I'm just saying, like, 
it it brings up all of these questions of of what what the fuck it is we're mm. actually doing, you know. And this is separate from the the episodes themselves. Yeah, well, I've I've got a great quote here from Bunuel, and he says, uh, "We so often find ourselves at complicated cross crossroads, which lead to other crossroads, to ever more fantastic labyrinths. Somehow we must choose a path." And this quote. Uh, it kind of parallels the structure of the film as well. You know, you kind of have these crossroads where people meet and then we, we follow the other person, mm. you know, we follow yes. the next guy. But it does end up being a, a sort of about something, you know, like it's not about nothing uh, because, because at the end of the day, yeah, presumably everyone's in France and, you know, most of it happens in the, in a modern setting. Uh, and so yeah. we get a interesting snapshot of all of these these levels of society not 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 every single level but different facets and i, I got the feeling that this, this film is it's, it's a bit more angry than than discreet charm like i feel like he's yeah he's yeah. angry like he's not maybe that's what's why it's not as graceful yeah. you know because there's a there's a humor and like everyone in discreet charm i said it i like them all and there's something uh uh you know charming and 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 likable about them whereas in this there's a there's a it's it's harder to there's just something about it. it's more biting mm. and there's a lot of more commentary yeah definitely about the other one was society. more playful yeah but certainly there's a lot of memorable memorable scenes in this we've got uh so many different ones like that that we could talk about all night in different different you know guises if we want so I mean, do we go straight for it? Surely the dinner party scene is, is the <laughs> most memorable. Bonjour, madame. Bonjour, enchanté. Bonjour. Si vous voulez me suivre, par ici. Voyons, madame, calme. So everyone goes to this dinner party and they just walk in. And then the, the first thing about that we notice about it is there's a table and under, instead of each chair, there's, there's a, a toilet. And then yep. you, they stand and undo their pants, everyone, including a kid, yep. all the women and men, and they sit on these toilets and there's no food on the table. Yep. And they're all just sort of talking. And then one of them excuses him, himself and goes to a private room. Says, Excuse me, where's the dining room? Like, says it shamefully. <laughs> yes. They turn around here. Goes into a private room and he gets given a meal and he, and he like eats it quietly and then a woman knocks on the door and he says occupied <laughs> occupied yeah, yes, oh, yeah. sorry sorry i i really enjoyed that it's like you know it's just they've just swapped it that you know that the dining room's the toilet the toilet's the dining room and you know you you, you shit you shit together and you eat alone <laughs> but then the, so the idea is that oh why have we chosen you know this one activity mm. to be communal yes. and okay with they're all natural aren't they and i'm like yeah but once <laughs> one stinks pretty, pretty gross and it stinks like i mean <laughs> like you know i mean this is not a this is a fairly uh, easy choice I would have thought, you know? <laughs> yes but still it's very memorable but then there's a yeah, bunch of yeah. other scenes i i it's so many one that's uh i love the 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 the, the pedo in the park yeah. scene i think that's uh, so yeah, yeah, good yeah, yeah. You know, like we just get totally hoodwinked, and mm. y you and you're the problem yeah. in that scene. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, because you go, oh fuck, this is dreadful. Oh, dreadful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's showing them those what, pictures. What then, are those photos? Yeah, yeah, but he's the everything he's saying is so good as well. It's Seinfeldian in the way that everyone's talking, and it's it's almost like he's in on mm. it. You know, like 
he, he's sort of like, now you must never show them to grown-ups yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. special yeah. photos. And then one of the kids is looking at the photos and she goes, she whistles. She goes, because <laughs> it's like sort of so like, oh, that's really hot, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then the parents and, are looking and, at him. Yeah, yeah. And then they say, oh, but but he was really nice. He gave us sweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even the nanny says that too, doesn't she? <laughs> yes, she does. But then they fire yeah, the nanny of course. as well. They do, yeah. That's a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that we weren't going to see the photos. I was excited yes, me too. Yeah. not to see them. <laughs> so mm. I was happy. We saw them. Très bien descendu. Je crois que je te connais. Comment tu t'appelles? Véronique. Et toi? Valérie. Ah oui, bien sûr. Et puisque vous êtes très gentil, je vais vous faire un joli cadeau. Venez avec moi, on va. On peut pas les vélos sont là-bas. That's great. And, you know, we've got uh, the incest. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I love the BM, the whole BMV thing. It's mm. really great yes. for me. So everyone at the inn is great, yes. really. Yes. yes. Yeah. The monks. The, yeah, the, the monks. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's a nephew that's still in high school who is there. Uh, he he tells the inn, innkeeper guy that it's his mother, but it's his aunt, and he's trying to fuck her, and <laughs> she's kind of kind of into it, but shy because she's a virgin, and no one's ever seen her naked. And but he just does, he just does the worst stuff, like trying to rip her clothes off. <laughs> Uh, just, just I he want said, it. Give it to me. Yeah, you know he says stuff like he says stuff like you know I, I um I want to see you naked and, and and I'm not leaving until I do or something like. Yes. Je veux te voir nu. Impossible. Je ne partirai pas de cette pièce sans t'avoir vu nu. Je ne pourrai pas. Je me suis jamais mise nu devant un homme qu'un homme m'a jamais touché. Enlève tes vêtements. Si tu refuses, je suis capable de tout. Tu le sais. Like this gangster crazy, and 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 then he's like he he he's smoking while she's getting changed, and then he like he he like puts the cigarette on a, on a on a picture on the wall. He, he turns does, around, yeah. and he's horrified that she's under the covers. He's like he's like angry, and he's like yeah. you know yeah. Then he rips the covers away, and she's smoking hot. Yeah, the best bod for a seventy-four-year-old. <laughs> Well, why it's so? I love that because uh, because um, part of you, you know, you're so confused because it's clearly a body double, uh, mm. but but it's wonderful because I interpret it that that's how he sees her. Yeah, you know, like like to him, you know that that's what she looks like, and and I thought that was really striking. Mm. It's a way of, you know, getting us totally involved because we because you know. Mm. She's an old old yeah. lady. Like, if she, and if I saw her naked, I'd be. She old. wasn't that old. She was old, but she wasn't like, oh. you know, she wasn't like Nancy Pelosi old. Oh, Pike's got a stiffy, weird <laughs> boner. Yeah, weird chubbies. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, they they took they took the ambiguity away by making it a smoking mm. hot body. But but also for him, like this is what is it, nineteen seventy four? This is this is pre Pornhub. This is pre internet. Like, mm. you know. Na- naked bodies were hard I to come I like that by, you went pre Pornhub before pre internet. You know, that's the internet, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's driven all innovation, <laughs> porn. That's why we have yes. videotape, I think. <laughs> yeah. True. So, 
Yeah, so the incest that's great. No, but there's more in that scene actually. Like like the, the like that cuz I think what we're getting at with a lot of these things or, uh, he does like she won't give it up. He's he's he, and then he and he's in his frustration gets the smacks her in the face and gets a pillow and puts it over her face and tries to smother her. He loves her so much and wants to kill her. Yeah. Cuz she won't yeah. give it up. Like it's just amazing and then he it's like the movie is loaded mm. with this. So I guess what we're mm. we're talking about is it's taboo. There's a lot of taboos. It's about, you know, um, mores, rules, uh, you know. It's social rituals. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Personal morality. Europe is the hero of, of this kind of filmmaking. Um, as you said in the intro, it's got it all. Incest, mass murder, S&M, pedophilia, necrophilia, and general bad behavior. So many shocking moments. Even today, like, like because a lot of those, most of those things are, are still... You know, uh, just as shocking as, as ever before. Um, Hollywood and America, I think, offer us so much, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, we wouldn't have Vertigo. We wouldn't have Goodfellas. We wouldn't have Bernard Herrmann's uh, uh, Hollywood scores, you know, without Hollywood. It's the really the best of the best in certain ways. But one thing it can't do is stray too far from approved conventions. And that's what a movie like this does. Not that you'd ever get anyone to sit down and watch it. It'd be impossible, but uh, it gets you, it would just get you to question everything. And I think that, um, you know, uh, the fact that there's so many taboos broken in, in one film is, is quite extraordinary. Again, I always talk about like, I've always put the rose tinted glasses on, but, you know, I and it wasn't too long ago. I just we're not talking a long time ago. I distinctly I distinctly remember go, there was there was a, a kind of art house cinema that that a thinking person would enjoy. And what you would do is you would go to the cinema and you would see they'd probably be French or something, but they'd, every now and then there would be or an indie American film and and there would be a purposefully shocking film. You know what I mean? Like like uh, and I think of a whole tradition of filmmakers todd solons is someone i think of oh god we've got to do todd solons oh my god in fact hold that thought todd solons so the idea is that he would do a movie like happiness or palindromes or or there'd be a french movie called Bays Moir or uh you know I, I think of the modern the modern would be uh, gaspar noy all those all those films where you know like climax and all that but there would be a purposely shocking film one that is designed to shock you shock the daylights out of you and um Everyone would go see it and buy the soundtrack probably and talk about it and that would be a thing you do. And yet again, uh, that's fucking gone because all people do is binge watch fucking Ozark uh, and which I'm sure is great and I'm sure when I get around to it, you know, uh, I'll love it just as much as anyone. But there's nothing, there will be nothing transgressive in the way I'm mm. talking about it. There's nothing Gaspar Noé in Ozark, and I, and I mm. know that 100%. There ain't nothing in Ozark in the entire however many episodes <laughs> like in Jesus Climax. Jesus ain't, no, ain't nothing like that. I, I didn't or, feel or sick fucking, like I did in Climax. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. But it's like, or even Spring Breakers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. whatever. I'd Take like to do pick. that on this show. Yes, well, we should. Take your pick. All of these films... That wasn't too long ago, no. really. However, mm. now it's all about once again. It's all about uh, who can be the most conscious, socially mm. conscious. Who can do? Who can tell us? Who can tell us which oppressed people 
was secretly behind yeah the fucking moon landing or yeah watergate or like you pick something pick pick something pick i'll pick something pick ronald reagan and then have a movie about how there was a there was um a disabled person behind the scenes who was the real president <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then everyone will go. Everyone will go. That is that's, that is amazing. And you go, what the fuck am I watching? What the fuck is this? You know. So, Phantom of Liberty is trying not doing that. It's about a different jam. It's it's trying to get us to think. And I, you could talk forever about mm. all this stuff. You know, a sniper that kills everyone. And, and, and last thing, a sniper goes up to he shoots all these people, and then gets sentenced mm. to death, and he's set free. Because we're sentenced to death. You know what I mean? It says they, they don't say you're sentenced to be hanged or to be killed. He says, I sentence you to death. And then he gets set mm. free. And you go, oh, I'm sentenced to death. <laughs> you know? Get your yeah. thinking. Something happened. Well, to go back to the, uh, the B&B scene, uh, I, I just love the monks like playing poker and smoking and drinking and one of them forgets himself and go, goes to put his arm around the chick at one point. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, oh, like, oh, no. Pig man. Yes, that's great. And then, you know, and then the SMN, uh, S&M scene happens in there, like uh, the guy from James Bond, you know, gets his arseless chaps on and, you know, that's great. And they're, they're all ho- horrified and they leave. No, no. That's great. So the title itself comes from the Communist Manifesto, but also from uh, an earlier Grimwell film uh, called Milky Way from 1969. And there's a quote in there. Um, I experience in every event that my thoughts and my will are not in my power and that my liberty is only a phantom. So one of the things I got from this film is that he's saying that you don't have much control over what, what happens in your life, you know, like stuff's random. Did you get that? Yeah, I suppose I was more taken in by these the codes and the mores and the, and the absurdity of the phantom mm. of liberty i guess for me was it, the idea that yeah we're, we're controlled by yeah these arbitrary things mm. in some yeah. cases you know what i mean like why you know it, it it's sort of it you know the idea of of not being able to see that your daughter's right there because bureaucrats mm. have told mm. you that yeah. she's missing you know what i mean like yes. that particularly in the COVID era, mm. yes. you know, that sort of stuff yep. is, it yeah, resonates. Yeah. Or... Well, that scene, that scene really kind of disturbed me in a way, and I think maybe it's because, you know, I've got a young child now that that, that kind of disturbed me, you know. I'm like, the kid's mm. right there. She's right there. Stand up so I can get a good look at you to write down the description. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But, yeah, John, it's true. It's like what you said in the COVID era, like there's so much weird bureaucracy mm. now or maybe it's always been there and we're just seeing it more because of covid but just just weird arbitrary rules i mean we've seen this in in australia particularly in melbourne you know just kind of weird arbitrary rules mm. things that you can and can't do that don't really make sense like who's making these decisions and people used it's to madness. question things more too 
now everyone just goes yes. along. Just go along. Well, along with it. and you know, and we've got that scene with the doctor. So a guy goes to the doctor, and the doctor sort of uh, looks at his test and says it's all fine, it's all good, you know. And then he even puts the X-rays up and just says, "Oh, what are these white spots? What's that?" Yeah, but he, quick, he quickly ta- quickly takes them down as well. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, they're nothing. Sort of, yeah. No, nothing. It's all good. And then he's like, "I'd like just come in tomorrow and." I'll, I'd just like to do a little incision <laughs> on you, you know, just to see what happens. Curi- medical curiosity, I think, is yes. what he says. And as it turns out, he's got he's got he's got cancer, and then he offers mm. him a cigarette. Like, you know, I guess it's uh, it, it's all um, uh, poking fun at at uh, all of the scripts we're meant to mm. play with. You know what I mean? Like, um, and and how elusive truth That's is right. as well. Yeah, that that particular scene was actually taken from. Bunuel's actual life where apparently a doctor did that to him he had cysts on his liver and the the doctor you know didn't want to tell him or was awkward about telling him which is what what sort of happens in the scene wow you know? well i mean that's where but this is what we're talking about now with all of this you know some of this gender stuff and 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 whatever we're, we're, we're letting um for lack of a better term, political greatness, whatever you want to call it, we're letting stuff that's got nothing to do with medicine or the truth get in the way of, you know, of people's health. You know, just, just they're, they're trying to, well, we're, tr- we're, we're introducing magical thinking mm. into fucking anthropology and stuff where it mm. doesn't belong. You know, now yeah. we're up being asked to not identify the sex of fucking skeletons mm. we exhume. We're not calling bullshit, yeah, no. really. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Mm. But yeah. that, you said it, AJ, that is the quote mm. of the evening. We're not calling mm. bullshit. And that's what this movie and Bunuel is all about. That's what, not just this movie, that's what surrealism is all about. So, you know, just from the, not to, I won't bore you with too much of this, but it's good to have some background. So that, I just got them from the Tate Modern. So, you know, they should know <laughs> what it is. So they say surrealism aims to revolutionize human experience. It balances a rational vision of life with one that asserts the power of the unconscious and dreams. The movement's artists find magic and strange beauty in the unexpected and the uncanny, the disregarded and the unconventional. At the core of their work is the willingness to challenge imposed values and norms and a search for freedom. So hold those thoughts for a second. Many surrealist artists have used automatic drawing or writing to unlock ideas and images from their unconscious minds. Others have wanted to depict dream worlds or hidden psychological tensions. Surrealist artists have also drawn inspiration from mysticism, ancient cultures and indigenous art and knowledges as a way of imagining alternative realities. Their movement's aspiration towards the liberation of the mind, as well as the liberation of artistic expression, has also meant seeking political freedom. In many instances, these artists have turned to political activism. In this way, the revolutionary concepts encouraged by surrealism has led the movement to be seen as a way of life. In fact, it's so revolutionary that most of them don't hate even being called surrealists. They're like, fuck that. I'm not that. I'm, I'm nothing to do with that. So... You know, there's so much in there. Surrealism's about freedom, about liberation. Uh, this is why this type of movie, this 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 here, this artist, all of this, um, wouldn't fly because authoritarians who seek control in our context, the woke people, could be. Look, I hope it's someone different. I hope in 20 years it goes back to being the good old right, you know, and you're like, oh, and then you go, they're trying to keep those titties away from me again, you know, like, and, and it's got back to the bad old days. But for the moment, 
it's the woke, all right? And uh, they would say they want liberation. They'd say, oh, we want liberation. But the new movement, it's anti-liberation because they want speech codes, weird rules, things have got, have got to be said in, in, in a certain order. Uh, I mean, for example, also this stuff about dreams, automatic writing, you know, uh, drawing inspiration from ancient cultures, indigenous art—that's cultural appropriation. There's only yeah. there, there's there's a, it's a one-way rule where if you pass for European or white or whatever, then you don't get to explore anything. But for everyone else, it's a free for all. So more to the point, these are th- these people turn anything that's positive which into a negative. So we should be trying to under you know. Like Van Gogh being being inspired by Japanese lithographs and creating that those, that amazing work, or yeah, looking into taking ayahuasca or looking into mysticism and creating something interesting. You know, I'm not talking about putting on a minstrel show. <laughs> like that's you know that's what I'm. I'm we're not oh, doing that. Okay. But oh. but everything else is, is like I'm just fascinated by how. You know, that's why this stuff is so great, and that's why they wouldn't get it. Like, right. you know, they would they they they, they get the voiceover they watch it and at the like, start telling them what to get. <laughs> There's a voiceover, uh, and you hear thirty seconds of audio that tells you what's going to happen. My name's Bella, and I just started, and I just started here at at at, at Fashion House. <laughs> yeah, yes. This is for this summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's laughs> These right. are my girlfriends. Like, <laughs> These are my girlfriends, and this and this yeah. is Flip. He's a non-binary yeah. disc jockey, yeah, the, yes. and you go, "Fuck this show," disc jockey? you know? No, I don't know. I don't know. From thirty years ago, I don't know. All right, I said I don't know, but but yeah, I just feel like, you know, that to me is the message, and and you know, just the kind of artists we don't have anymore. Again, yet again. All the all the, the the people worth a damn have been chased out. Even David Bowie wouldn't be allowed to do anything now, mm. you know, like that because he did all this shit. Like he did the, like you know uh, automatic writing and, and and interesting stuff like that. And I feel like now they're all about yet he um, should be their poster control. boy. That's the disconnect. No, but that, that's the thing. Him and Prince mm. and that they don't like it because it's not the right kind of of you know vision of lgbt mm. he had chill he was just like yeah, yeah whatever and those those two guys they were gender benders but you never questioned no. the fact that they slayed puss oh, you Prince know was they slayed puss hard yeah yes they did yes but that's but that's yeah but also what i'm saying is that they had chill about it like they did that yeah. you spent your whole life looking at bowie and his weird hair and stuff and going what and he never, never <laughs> no. talked about it. Yes, yes. Whereas now they would it. endlessly be talking about it. He would only mm. be talking about it, yes. and then you'd go. He would only be talking about it, and he wouldn't write. Yeah, he'd be um, shit. Life yeah, on Mars. definitely, he'd be shit. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't write mm. fame, and he would instead tell you about uh, what kind of demisexual he is, <laughs> or what kind of sex he likes to have when he's not having it. And you know, that so he's married to a it's black a whole woman. different. Yes. <laughs> Whole different deal. All right, what have we got for Keeper or Creeper tonight? Yes, good, good, good. Keep it moving, that's good. So only two... Look, there's so many to choose from, really. But I just picked a couple of disparate people because we don't get to know people very much, so, you know, it's a bit limited. But I think these are interesting. So the first guy is the Hatter. Now, charming gentleman, I think, all right? 40s, I think, but you know the drill. It's the 70s, Mm. so... It could be 60. Um, 
distinguished vibes, I think. <laughs> and what a cool job, a hatter. Mm. You know? He's all about hats. So, I mean, that's a thing that you don't really get anymore. <laughs> so he makes hats or he sells hats? I think they just sell them. Mm. Right. But they're special. <laughs> hospitable. Very hospitable. Genuinely warm fellow. He can set up an impromptu gathering now, AJ. For socially awkward types <laughs> like you true. and me, this is That's a plus. True. Okay? We need people with some get up and go in this area who can grease the wheels. And he's he's that guy, you know. Um, do you think you could just be at an inn and go, oh, come and have some port in my couldn't. room? Like to... no. no, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> but, but he wants you to take charge in the bedroom. That's true. Like really take charge. I'm, ta- I'm mm. saying like, yeah, like likes discipline. Punish those buns. Well, you know, I don't need to be coarse. I'm just saying <laughs> discipline is is what he likes. Two words, arseless chaps. <laughs> so that's, they're in the mix. Um, anyway, a lot to consider there. That's the hatter. Next up, the nephew uh, is who I've chosen. So a little bit of a younger gentleman. A younger, young me. Mm, that's young true. me. Toy boy. Uh, nor... Sort of norm core vibes I got from him. <laughs> yeah. You know? Shops at Uniqlo. Mm, yes. So norm core. Intense, passionate. <laughs> He's got a special kink that will work in your favor. You'll you'll age into it, so to speak. <laughs> um, now I said passionate. He's red hot. I mean rare in the go. So I mean if he doesn't get what he wants, like right now, he's gonna do something drastic. Like Smother you with a pillow That's or true. something. Um, but fuck it. At least he's interested, I say. How many times have you been with someone who's like emotionally unavailable? This guy is so available. That's true. He's got more than you want. <laughs> really. Yeah. So, and you never know, he might grow up to be Emmanuel Macron. Maybe. Maybe. And that's so there's that to look forward to. So two very disparate here. Ooh. Keeper or creeper. We have the hatter. The hatter. And the the hatter's kind of a what do they call them? A bit like, what do they call those gay guys? A dandy. Yes. No. <laughs> a bear. A bear. I, that's... Kind of bear oh, vibes. Oh, a bear. None bear vibes. He's got yes. a jo- jolly vibe, yeah. I thought. He seems like yes. a nice guy. Um, I'd get a lot of work done, I guess, because he'd, yeah. I can order him around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So um, that's good. He's a bit of an exhibitionist, I guess. So <laughs> yes, he wants other people yeah. to watch. He even says at one point when they everyone's leaving, he says, "Oh, you know, can't, can't the monks stay at least?" <laughs> so he wants That's someone true. watching. I'm gonna have to say creeper. <laughs> Nearly got that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And the nephew, it's too broody. Yes, a bit broody. Yes, I would have probably liked it at seventeen. I, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's it's not very fun, you know. Like he's, I do remember being that, that having that intensity. I don't think you've you know? lost it. <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah. <laughs> but don't get me started on the football. Oh. I'm very <laughs> intense this week about that. So yes, no, I'll go with that. The nephew, Gabriel Creeper. Creeper, I can't do it. Creeper. Yep. <laughs> Young guys. Yeah, would you date a guy that young? Boy, boy. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> what do women get out of it, though? Like, Sex. I mean, men. A rock yeah, hard cock, 24-7. Yeah, I guess that'd be good. But, but, but um, 
But men are so fucking immature. It's true. Like, like we, it takes now to get to forty to be the old school twenty-five. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. True. you know what I mean. So, like the guys, there's a the great video uh, going around recently of that Republican chick talking about all the guys behind the Constitution and and how old they yes, were. And you go, you yes. picture all these old guys, and they were all like fucking twenty years old. <laughs> they were. That's yeah. crazy. They're all tw- the, they're the like oldest, fucking tw- the oldest guy was like thirty three, and he was like, yeah, the grand old man. Whereas uh, they're all fucking young. But it's the yeah. same with uh, on more on my turf. It's the same with Citizen Kane. So when you picture, you know, what's arguably the greatest movie of all time, people go, oh, fucking old, black and white, old, old, old. And you go, no, 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 this movie was made by young people. Yeah. Wasn't, young. He 20, wasn't he 23? He was young, what? yes, absolutely. He was sub 25. Yeah. But everyone was young on it. And yeah. what's so great about it is that there are part there's a lot of parts where all of those actors are in full age makeup and they're all playing old people at so yeah. and, and so we get this wonderful and and very great performances from all of them in that respect and and there's something so wonderful about this 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 um because only a young person could have some of the insights they have about old age because it's too painful to think about there's i mean there's a, not to go off on a tangent but there's like, i always think of this one moment where everett sloan says uh in one scene, it's the Citizen Kane now. He says, uh, like, there's a lot of things he doesn't remember about his life. He's when he's old, man. He says, but, you know, there was one day, you know, this girl, I remember this girl who, who on, on a bus, and, you know, I've never forgotten that girl. You know what I mean? Like, and there's just something so painful about about that, you know, that you could never even think about when you're old. You'd have to go, oh, anyway, anyway I'm going to say, I'm just going off to, to uh, play bridge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You, know, you can't have the thought. You can, Twenty-three-year-olds can go there, mm. you know. Anyway, that's that's beside the point. Uh, so, uh, yes, young people. That's where we're at. Yeah, that's they're they're, they're intense. So I, I get it. Why he's creepy. So speaking of boobs, that the the, the piano scene. Is this the boobometer? What is this? The dripsy. Or is this just? Bonus? This is just my way of getting to that scene any way I can. Uh, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. No, you go. You go. I just need to check because, I mean, you know, so I don't want to double load. So there's a scene where the guy is reminiscing about his uh, uh, his sister who is now deceased and she's playing the piano nude. Two incest scenes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asks her to play uh, a Rhapsody by Brahms and she she plays this Rhapsody and it's quite involved. <laughs> physically to play this rhapsody it's a That's rhapsody really after funny. all he gets her to play a jaunty <laughs> yes. tune so that so the, the boobs uh, can move boobs. yeah and they move they and move the legs a lot tu sais je crois que je n'irai pas à toulouse je vais le dire à maman ça furieuse mais tu as raison ces repas de famille les tantes les cousins quelle barbe <laughs> je te comprends et qu'est-ce que je ferai à toulouse à 3h de l'après-midi La sieste. <laughs> Tiens, sois gentil. Joue-moi la rhapsodie de Brahms. Si tu veux. Doesn't he drop something and he goes, he goes underneath the piano yeah. and then so he gets to see up. Yes, yeah. you do. That is good. That's a good thing. As I get older, boobs moving becomes more and more important to me. Do you know yes. what I mean? What? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you, you mean. Like, 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 then I wouldn't have thought about it before. I'd be like, hey, whatever. Now I'm like, move, you jiggle. See you jiggle, jiggle. Oh, 
<laughs> I only want to see him move. You know? So, so that's out there. <laughs> the tap dancing, the jiggling boobs. <laughs> jiggling boobs. Yeah. No, because at the end of the day, we're all... As men, there's only one trajectory for you, and it's like you slowly become Benny Hill. Like <laughs> I've thought this for the longest time. Yes. That all, you know that all as you get older, all you want is everything that happened to him in that show. You just want, you just want to and, and to, to look at the camera and go like, like when, when a titty pops out or. Pants fall down and there's panties and you go, oh. or like you walk past the you walk past the clothesline full of underwear and you go, oh. Oh, you know, it's all very important. Can't do any of that anymore, of course. It's, it's not on. So boobometer. Yeah, well, look, you know, um, I I, th- I think that because th- there's that scene, but then we've got the aunt mm. also. Yep, uh, so, and I think that, um, yeah, big, um, natural. Bush. Uh, bush <laughs> also. Bush too, yeah. But, yep. but, but there's also a little bit of bush scene of the mistress because she takes off mm. her skirt and you yes, see yeah. a thatch, mm. uh, you know, beneath the stockings. So, mm. so that's... <laughs> So that's <laughs> oh, I so that's it. important too. So yeah, no, Boomomina I think was it, it was it was high. It's high. It is high, yeah. It's high. And it, again, it, they're they're the kind of boobies that you don't get in an art house mm. film. No, because they if they because they're boobies, too, too big. yeah, they're too big. Mm. They're not um they're not they're not charming and and little. It's mm. like they're not a seven year old boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing that you'd not you've got to have a boyish physique yes. to be in an art house movie. You can't you can't be Russ Meyer. It's not gonna work. All right? That's the rules. You know the rules. Do we need are we doing trivia or Yes, let's do some trivia. I, I don't have much, but I have a little. Uh hmm. in <laughs> I'll leave that I'll leave that in, there. In British broadcast, the serial killer as celebrity segment is often cut out. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the serial killer bit is just they cut it out. Fucking so, British. Must be that video nasties era where they had, a, had it in for violence. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I, I would have expected that maybe in, in the US with mass shootings and stuff. I don't know. Mm. Um, there is a director's trademark in this film, which is insects. So uh, the guy, he places that large frame spider on the mantelpiece after declaring that he's sick of symmetry. So apparently that's a Boonwell thing. There's, he likes to have insects in his movies. And uh, the one we did the other week, um, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, we had the uh, cockroaches that fall onto the keys of the piano. So more insects. He's, uh, he likes a good insect. Uh, the painting hanging in the office at the police station is Francisco Goya's The 3rd of May, 1808, which was the inspiration for the opening scene of the film. Hmm. And John, you've, you've already mentioned this. So the cast includes two actors who've played villains in James Bond movies. So you've got Adolfo uh, Seeley, who played uh, Emilio Largo in Thunderball. And you've got Michael Lonsdale, who uh, was Hugo Drax in Moonraker. <laughs> He was also the dad so, in Munich. Ah, uh, yes. I saw that movie four times in the cinema. Too much? You saw Munich <laughs> really? four times. No. Is that the only Spielberg film you've seen four times <laughs> at the movie? So. Think of all of the movies he's done. <laughs> and and that's Munich. the one. <laughs> Why did you see it four times? I don't know. You loved it. 
I like Eric Banner. Eric's good. It is good. I haven't seen it in years. Mm. Yeah, I never saw it again. <laughs> but I feel like now, considering he's Spielberg's talking about fucking the Tinkses, mm. I think that it would be it would be good now. I think I would watch it and say, ah, oh, just like I have about everything else the fucking movie we watch. Mm. I'd go, ah, oh, geez, that that's. I wish we could do something like that and not not the fucking shit we yeah. do now. Thor. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thor and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. All right, I've got uh, two re- little chunks of reviews here. Uh, the film was seen as a masterwork, um, and here is uh, Ed Gonzalez from Slant Magazine. Uh, like Discreet Charm, the plot-free Phantom of Liberty is a patchwork of, of comedic sketches and sight gags through which Bunuel uh, ravages a complacent European culture and the various sexual hang-ups and historical and cultural disconnects of its inhabitants. The surrealist images range from the profane to the comical, from the absurd to the rational, and from the ambiguous to the idiotic. This heady, almost off-putting masterwork isn't particularly easy to decipher, maybe we aren't meant to, which is why it's best to approach it as a literal comedy of manners. Now, I've got a little thing here from Senses of Cinema. The Phantom of Liberty is one of the most audacious and unconventional films in cinema history. Directed by Louis Bunuel, The Phantom of Liberty may very well be the most accomplished, ambitious and surrealist work of his 54-year film career. Indeed, this is a film that deals with a variety of transgressive subjects such as fetishism, necrophilia, incest, mass murder, sadomasochism and pedophilia with a network of storytelling devices and narrative forms and presents an intense criticism against established social institutions. It's a complex, paradoxical, subversive and radical film which has promoted endless debates and encouraged a variety of readings. Love it. Love all that. Mm. I mean, you could say the same thing about Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a variety of different readings. Mm. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure we could talk endless about that. Endless debates. Yeah. An hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> All right, me too, me A couple of little things here. We've covered a bit of this anyway. So the creeper in the park scene is quite troubling, as we've mentioned, because this movie does nothing to stop the discrimination against minor attracted persons, also pejoratively known as pedophiles. Now, yes, I know he's not really a minor attracted person in the film, but the point is still well made, okay? And I won't rest until we have a new colour added to the flag that represents these persecuted peoples. And I think we should all show our appreciation by giving recently released minor attracted persons jobs. Maybe not babysitting. But uh, something else, like typing or whatever. Babysitter's club. Say Say hello hello to your friends. friends. Yeah, so that's what we'll do. (laughs) Uh, Similar shade is also cast on incest, necrophilia and S&M and... This is all just part of the patriarchal shame culture holding us back from happiness. Uh, You do you, boo, and let me do whatever sexual perversions I want and tell you about it all day at work. Sue, that's that. (laughs) And on Pornhub. And on Pornhub. (laughs) Surrealism is just the artsy wing of the patriarchy, okay? Notice how all this talk about dreams and reality and mysticism and upsetting expected norms always lead to women getting naked, all right? The naked piano player, the naked aunt's body double, 
which, as we know, is disgusting unless it's an old woman like Emma Thompson in a new film, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, in which the 63-year-old actress gets it all out in a story about a school teacher who decides to explore her sexuality, okay? Now, when applications to the permanently offended person's nude division, uh, this type of application is immediately approved, the Emma Thompson one, that is. The old woman who has been under the thumb of her husband and her job uh, explores her sexuality uh, or whatever the fuck that means. Uh, but young hot titties in Game of Thrones, that's disgusting. That's exploitation. Uh, you can't do that. ScarJo, circa 2010, you know. Fuck, she's Birds hot. Bush. Yes. <sighs> yes. Agreed. Under the skin. Oh, uh, yeah. The movie. Oh, yeah. So, you know, again, that's disgusting. So, uh, I mean, we've covered this. <laughs> Whether something is allowed is contingent on how hot it is. You know, if, if Scar Joe back then, she gets the gear off, that's, well, you know that's disgusting, okay? You're not allowed to like that. But if Lizzo did, does it or Caitlyn Jenner, that's beautiful and gorgeous. So that's how it goes. That's the rules. That's what you know. So not much to cover. We've covered almost everything else. I mean, you know, uh, I feel like this, this movie, uh, you know, the reason I think it's high do you think it's high? I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's high. I honestly think that 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 these wokesters wouldn't let they don't, they won't let surrealism get away with it. You know, mm. they would just be like, "Oh yes, here we go." Oh, blonde bush, is that it? You know, they'd be like, "Oh yes, there's the titties." Yes, <laughs> they're very good. You know, so I feel like um, they're not down with it. But at the same time, I feel like we're inches away from, you know, apologizing for pedophiles and and incest in a way as, as just, you know, oh, that's just the way they were born, you know, like just treating it as though it's like it's homosexuality or transgenderism. All the incest porn yeah. on Pornhub. <laughs> yes, it's a lot. Yeah. And they've just a lot made of manga, it like, an anime. Yeah. Made it okay because it's it. your stepmom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's not a blood relative. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. They're inching towards. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think they're just... Because I, I saw a TED talk recently, and it was from a couple of years ago, about someone who's... Yeah, and is using that language like like a minor attracted person, you know, and to- mm. talking about these, you know, these, these, these pedophiles that, you know, are just misunderstood people you know i don't know if they've listened to what pedophiles like the actual crimes are like it's it's pretty disturbing when you go deep yeah well look again but it's part of a broad yeah the the broad cry no but no but the broad crisis of, of of um when you become completely untethered from any moral framework or even or a, a shadow of it yeah well, then what are you yeah. left with? Mm. Yeah, you know, you yeah. should, people can't even plant their feet. I was speaking to so Can I say all of this without implicating anyone else? I, com- I don't think I'll ever listen to this. <laughs> I was having a conversation recently and the person I was speaking to was going down this moral relativist track. They, they, they're, just, they're in a fairly high up job in the creative arts and they were like telling me, you know, they were saying, making constant uh, sort of, flagellation self-flagellations about you know oh how could i how could we possibly 
you know, say this about that country or this when, you know, we've done that and, you know, oh, I don't want, um, you know, my child to, to grow up in an era when, um, you know, they're being persecuted for just for who they are and how they were born and because they're not in vogue and stuff like like that. But then again, I think about all the sufferings that a, a child, a person of color would have gone through back in the day. Like they were just totally un, uh, unmoored from... Mm. Uh, adrift anything. adrift they, they were totally adrift and this is what happens that you should be able to plant your feet and you i'm not talking a, you don't need to necessarily get out your fucking bible and you know say you know thou thou sh- thou shan't Conversion therapy <laughs> thou shalt not diddle no or i won't spill a seed on the ground and all that shit or whatever <laughs> lay down with a man you just need to say when something is plainly bang out of order, you should be able to say it. You should be able to say, you know what, like, um, I'm I'm not in. Look, I haven't done a lot of research, but I know that if there's a country out there that throws gay people off buildings, that's not good. And what they've done isn't good. And I'm not saying that then the whole country is no good. I'm saying that that's no good. Um, and they should do they should do better. You know, and you should be able to plant your feet and say these things and say, you know what, like some crimes are heinous enough that we we need to be able to just to say it and and mm. and discourage it. You know, so it just it just is a a total. Um, you just become this spinning top, and you uh, nowhere man. You just become nowhere man. You're like you've got nothing to say about anything, and and that's fucking dangerous. And that's why a film like this is is pointless for someone like that mm. because. They've got no boundaries anymore, you know. Any like this movie only works if you know certain things are are, are taboo or not on. But if you're so confused that, like, you know, the people at work have convinced you through backdoor means to become an actual racist, like if you know what I mean, like then you're already lost. Like you, you go, if, if they're like. You know, no, nah, that's they go. Oh, I bet you think that like racism is like you know treating people differently from the color of their skin. Like, phew, fucking no way. Like that, that's not what it is. You know what it is? It's this. And then they then they go. It's an invisible network of power and privilege, of course. And then you go, yeah, yeah, right. That sounds about right. And then they go, yeah. And anyway, here's this Excel spreadsheet I did <laughs> of all like the people who we got to hire for this job. And on the right, it's got like what their skin color is, and like you know, because um, we want the right ones. We want the right ones. Like you know, and um, like that movie that came out that that musical, how it was all the Tinks people, but they they weren't the right ones. So we're gonna make sure we get the right <laughs> ones. And we've also got their gender, and well, we're gonna make sure that's right. Their pronouns, are, and so they end up. You end up becoming uh slowly like a creepy brave new world mm. psycho you know mm. yeah anyway, i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> <laughs> so that's a two what? meter high or what it's high yeah, yeah. So i don't think yeah. they could sit through the movie you've got to have an attention span even i was struggling <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll give it a nine i'll give it a nine out of ten sure i'll go with that so what's on the cards for next week people well look i got I, there's so much but i think i was inspired during the week maybe we'll get a cl- little closer to modern times 
just because I was telling you about a movie, and then I, while I was telling you about the movie during the week, Ricky, I realised we should just, just watch the movie. <laughs> so is this is this, this the movie? Yeah, about this is the so. Two this is sisters. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, a, a filmmaker now. This is all connected because I, I, I complained earlier that we used to go to watch. Uh, proper movies at the cinema so one of the movies one of the filmmakers you would have gone to see would have been Catherine Brille uh, and again I don't speak French that's her name and a transgressive filmmaker she doesn't give a fuck so dangerous this chick is so dangerous so the movie I think we should just go start big from 2001 it's called Fat Girl okay <laughs> and it's fucking amazing she's amazing she doesn't care and we should watch a couple of her movies and pretend like it's 2001 and you'll go oh wow like you, we used to go to the cinema and be, and you know you'd you'd watch this and, and it's got all the stuff you'd expect so <laughs> what is it it's uh Anais is a, is 12 and bears the weight of the world on her shoulders. She watches her older sister Elena whom she both loves and hates. Elena is 15 and devilishly beautiful. You know, you get the picture. <laughs> so, uh one's a who one's not and you know, they're sort of uh, all, all mixed up. But anyway, that's what we're going to do. I want to I want to resurrect the these movies. You know? Get it get our get our blood pumping again, you know? Can't just like you know, sit around watching fucking Caddyshack <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I love all that, but I mean, shit, you know, we've got to, something's got to happen. Like we used to be, you know, I'm, I'm on a bit of a tear tonight. <laughs> we'll wrap up the show eventually, but I'm just saying uh, we used to be, or am I projecting? We used to be more interesting as, you know, That's like, true. As, as, a, as a culture. We used to be more interesting. Like, yeah. I complain about this every week. Like, like we, you, you used to go, oh yeah, oh did you read Fear and Loathing? No. Yeah. Oh, did you read? Or did you watch Train Spotting? Did you listen to? You know what I mean? Like, I think I think we did more interesting stuff when boobs were harder to see. <laughs> well, you're going way back <laughs> yeah. now. Like, it's we true did though. more interesting 90s... stuff when there was less of it. Well, yeah, but but we had to work harder to see it. So we actually had to like make things that impressed people. You know. <laughs> To get them out, you know what I mean. To get them out, yeah. You go, if I do this, if I if I if I build this if I build this bridge, yeah. then yeah, as Isambard Kingdom Brunel in the in the nineteenth century is like, oh, if I build if I build this bridge, perhaps the Lady Carmichael will will show me her <laughs> yes. hem, you know? Yes, and she exactly. Did. She would have definitely yeah. done that. Yeah, nothing gets a woman hotter than a big bridge, a big big lever arch, yeah. bridge, yeah. Golden yeah. Gate Bridge, that guy must have slayed. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Anyway, uh, that's that's pretty much that's all we that's all we got. So um, we said what we said. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right. We did. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Until next time. Longer than you flesh. Longer than you flesh. Longer than it. <laughs> As I get older, boobs moving becomes more and more important to me. <laughs>